All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, we have a lot to get into today, kind of unpack everything going on in the world of college football. Of course, week two is uh, in the books. We are getting getting reared up for, geared up for week three. So I'm going to go over all the top 25 scores from week two. I also want to get all my Power 5 previews out the way. So, of course, today we'll be breaking down the Big 12. And, of course, the biggest headline, uh, at least so far through the week, is, of course, Scott Frost and the aftermath there at uh, Nebraska. Of course, he was recently let go. So I want to get into that and my, share my thoughts on that. And, of course, we'll be getting to the, the NFL, of course, as we transition into week through week two. Excuse me. I want to go over all the top scores from week one. And then, of course, um, yeah, no real headlines in the NFL. So I guess we'll just go through some scores there. And then also... I have uh, some word on the street, a word on the street segment to get to uh, get to you guys. So a bit to get into today. So let's just go ahead and unpack it all. Like I said before, we're gonna unravel all this stuff here. We're gonna start off with college football. My college football update, uh, starting off with the scores from the top twenty-five. Uh, first things first, you have number ten Arkansas getting it done on Saturday versus South Carolina, 40, 44 to thirty. We also got number two Alabama holding on uh, just by one uh, to get a win, to steal a win against the Longhorns out there in Austin, 20-19. to And that one, Bryce Young would go 27-39, 213 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Jace McKellen, uh, Mc yes, McClellan, excuse me, would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 97 yards on the ground at, at about 16.2 yards per carry. So, you know, getting it done effectively, definitely. Um, we also got Jameer Gibbs here. Uh, definitely, well, he's their running back, one of their running backs, but again, uh, he was much of, much more effective in the passing game uh, last Saturday with nine catches. He would have 74 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, Kool-Aid, yes, his name is Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid McKinstry would have six total tackles and a sack. Yep, I'm, that's his name. I'm not making that up. DeMarco Hellams would get you 10 total tackles. And um, it was a very sloppy day from Alabama, to say the least. I believe they had up to three total turnovers. Actually, let's just say two. I think it was two. A couple fumbles there. And overall, they had 15 penalties for up to 100 yards. So, again, all over the place. I'm sure that you know, definitely goes into why this score was so close. Uh, for Texas, Quint Ewers would go 9-12 for 134 yards. Uh, Houston Carr would go 14-22 for 158 yards for the Longhorns. Uh, Quint Ewers has suffered an injury. I got to get to the bottom of that. I wasn't uh, able to, to get all the rest of that information before I reported to, uh, this morning. But uh, Quint, expect for Quinn Ewers to be out from under center, I would say, at least a week. I could be wrong. I'll get back to you with a definite timetable. But uh, Quinn Ewers definitely. We suffered the injury last week. Well, up next we have Bajan Robertson. Uh, he would help out uh, the Longhorns uh, offensively, 57 yards on the ground, a leading rusher. Uh, but he also have three catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Cold part about the Longhorns was that they were just held to 76 total yards of rushing. So again, uh, there's some things that Bama is doing right. They're stopping the run. Uh, they just need to, you know, well they need to not give up so many turnovers, and uh, they can't give you getting up no penalties. They give up 15. So that's that's Alabama's real problem here. Uh, Xavier Worthy was the big was the leading receiver for Texas for five, with five catches, excuse me, 97 yards. And defensively, linebacker Jalen Board Jalen Ford would have nine total tackles and a sack. Like I said, for Alabama, I mean, 
Um, the question here is, was Texas just that good or did Bama fall off and or at least just a little bit? And, um, you know, they had like, a, I think it was last season, they had like five games where it was like one, you know, one score or less in terms of their win. So, you know, again, we have like a kind of a repeat of that. I don't really know until, you know, they get deeper into conference play. Uh, but again, 15 turnovers, sorry, 15 penalties, that's not going to help. Like I said, they gave up two to three turnovers. That's not going to help, particularly when they play in their conference matchups. Uh, but I think if they can turn turn that around and just stay focused, I think they should be all right. There might have been even a case where they were just, you know, not necessarily focused on the game. I know after the after the game, they were busy throwing up the horns down sign. And you had Nick Saban have to get at them and get a little bit frustrated because I think there's a focus thing right now. I think when you're Alabama, Alabama, you know, at least the players right now and even the fan base, you know, they're just so used to winning, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's difficult to even see them in, in, in any type of situation. So, you know, they don't know whether or not it's because they're, they're in a downtrend or teams are just getting better. It might be a mix of both. You know, you can't be good. Every, you can't be undefeated every year. I know that uh, teams are going to catch up with you. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens in East SEC play because I don't know. I don't know what to just say just yet. You know, um, uh, week one, uh, they had a pretty, you know, decent blowout course. It was like a D2 team whatever you know and then of course they struggle against texas and everybody you know wasn't too sure about texas and i'm not gonna be the one to tell you that texas is back per se but they look a lot better than they were last year but you know who knows uh but let's move on we have uh Wake Forest blowing out Vanderbilt, number 19 Wake Forest, by the way, blowing out Vanderbilt, 45 to 25. Uh, we have Ohio State here, the number three team in the nation, getting it done against Arkansas State. Easy work here, 45 to 12. We have number 13 Miami getting it done against Southern Mississippi, 30 to 7. Up next, we have North Carolina State. They get a blowout win against Charleston, Charleston Southern. So again, the first two, three weeks of the season, relatively easy for these guys. Final score for North Carolina State. 55-3 in their favor. Up next, same thing with Utah. They face up against Southern Utah. Final score here is 77-7. Of course, Utah is in the top 25. They're number 14 at the moment. Another top 25 matchup. Two teams in the top 25. Uh, we had uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, they take an L here to uh, number 23. Pittsburgh takes an L to number 15, Tennessee. The final score was 34-27. Tennessee is, of course, 2-0 on the year. Pittsburgh is now at 500 at 1-1. One one. For Tennessee, Hennon Hooker will lead the way 27-42, 325 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Jabari Small would have two rushing touchdowns. Cedric Tillman, their leading receiver from last year, would have nine catches for 162 yards. He would score as well. Uh, Bruce McCoy, or sorry, Brew McCoy, their transfer from USC, would score as well. He would also have four catches for 58 yards. On defense, linebacker Aaron Beasley would have 14 total tackles. And defensive back Trayvon Flowers will get a tackle for loss and also an interception. For Pitt, Keaton Slovis will go 14 to 24 for 195 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick. We had some issues at quarterback with Nick Patty getting some uh, some snaps as well, going 9 to 20 for 79 yards. He would throw a touchdown. On the ground, Israel Aban 
Abani Conda, excuse me, Abani Conda will get 154 yards on the ground and a touchdown in terms of receiving. Gavin Bartholomew will be, will be the team's top, their top, uh, top receiver there. Five catches, 84 yards, a touchdown. Jared Rain, Jared Wayne, excuse me, will get seven catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, for Pittsburgh, they will give up two turnovers, so that doesn't help out a lot either. They also on the defense, they will force three total sacks, so they have some. Some things going for them, some things going against them in this game. All together, Tennessee gets it done. You know, they look to be the better team. Everybody somehow how Tennessee could be a, a surprise team. I don't know just yet. I'm not buying it. I have to wait. Again, they're another wait and see, in my opinion. Up next, we have number one, Georgia. They took on they took on Sanford, not Stanford from the Pac-12, Sanford. A, a Division two school, if I'm not mistaken. F or FCS is what they want to call it. 33 to zip is the final score. That's a foregone conclusion. Up next, we have Michigan. They get it done. Number four, Michigan. They get it done against Hawaii, 56 to 10. Up next, we have Clemson. Uh, they get a win, easy win here. I believe that final score was 35 to 12 against Furman. Again, easy wins in the first half of the season. Again, Texas A&M thought they were going to have that against Appalachian State, but as usual, well. In some of these cases, Appalachian State, they decide to say, fuck it, and they're going to stun somebody. And this time, Texas A&M just happened to be that victim. Again, I wasn't nearly, I wasn't necessarily high. Well, I was never high on Texas A&M to begin with. So, <clears throat> again, this just kind of proves my point. Again, Texas A&M comes up short at home, uh, despite being highly ranked. They were, number, they were number six, if I'm not mistaken, going into the game. Now they dropped to number 24. I would have dropped him out of the rankings, but that's me. Uh, final score, 17-14, like I said, in favor of Appalachian State. Both for these teams moved to one and one on the year. For the Mountaineers at Appalachian State, uh, Chase Bryce was understanding he would go 15-30. Uh, he would go for 134 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Cameron Peoples, he's been there for a while now, 112 yards on the ground. And Amani Marshall would get a touchdown on the ground. Tight end Henry Pearson uh, will get a receiving touchdown in defense. Defensively, uh, Appalachia State would force two fumbles, and their top performer defensively was linebacker Jalen McLeod. He would end up with two sacks. For Texas A&M, uh, Haynes King would go 13 of 20. Terrible game. I don't know what. I mean, I guess in terms of his actual 13 of 20, that's not terrible, but just 97 yards, no touchdowns to speak of. Yeah, uh, Devon. I think his name Devon Achane. Excuse me. Yes, he would be the team's leading rusher. 66 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Antonio Johnson would have 13 total tackles. But again, of course, not enough. Uh, this game came pretty much down to the wire. If I'm not mistaken, it would go to overtime. Uh, this game was uh, pretty close. I mean, uh, believe it or not, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Texas A&M had a I sorry, Appalachian State had a lead early. Uh, you know, they had a lead for a minute, too. And then we have uh, Texas A&M kind of coming back in the second half. No, you can't beat us at home. We can't allow you to do that. But unfortunately, they ended up stalling in the last quarter. And both of them kind of exchanged uh, turnovers near the end. And, and for what it's worth, uh, Appalachian State just happened to be on the lucky end of one. And they, you know, drove the ball down the field and got what they needed to win the game. So, you know, no excuses for Texas A&M. They looked to be terrible, in my opinion, just flat out flat. And again, this is, you know, this is the uh, the SEC, the mighty SEC we've been talking about the past, you know, forever. At least the media has. So this is what you get. I'm, I'm glad y'all got to see it, you know, overrated overrated every saturday uh number six we have oklahoma 33 to 3 they get a win over kent state again uh 
no one cares until they really face somebody in the Big 12. I'm not buying it. Uh, another big upset here, we have Marshall. Uh, they get the best of Notre Dame here, 26-21. to 21. It puts Notre Dame in a 0-2 hole here on the season. And uh, who knows what this team can do. <laughs> who knows what is going to happen to this team. Um, up next, we have Texas Tech. Uh, they get an upset win over the weekend over a, well, they were in the top 25. It was number 25, Houston. Final score in overtime, 33-3. to Three. And then uh, we have Ole Miss. They get it done. The number 20 team in the nation, Ole Miss, they get it done against Central Arkansas. Uh, final score here being 59 to uh, 59 to 3. And then uh, we have uh, the last, oh, a few more games to get through. But uh, another big upset here I, I thought was probably the most significant or the most impressive, in my opinion, was Washington State going on the road to Wisconsin and getting it done uh, there against the Badgers. 17 to 14. Final score, much, oh, pretty much the same. No, the exact same as it was in the Appalachian Texas A&M game. Uh, Washington State moves to two and zero on the season, and Wisconsin is at five hundred at one and one. For Washington State, Cameron Ward will go seventeen to twenty eight for two hundred yards. He would throw two picks, but he would get a touchdown. Uh, Nikia Watson uh, definitely was the MVP of the game. He would have a rushing touchdown uh, to seal the deal, and early in the game, he would have a receiving touchdown. And defensively, linebacker Diane Henley would have nine total tackles and, and one and a half tackles for loss. And defensive lineman Christian Mejia will get an interception as well. Graham Mertz, again, 18 of 31, 227 yards, two touchdowns. He would throw a pick. I told you he wasn't all that, and I told you his picks would come up costly for this team in matchups. I told y'all all this. I didn't really have him beating Washington State. But again, I knew Graham Mertz was an interception thrower, and his interceptions would come up in the bad times and cost his team games. I knew that much. Brandon Allen will go for 98 yards on the ground, and Clay Cundiff will be the team's leading receiver. Two, uh, two receiving touchdowns for him. And on on defense for the Badgers, safety Kamoy Latu will be uh, will be the top performer there. Six total tackles. He would have a sack and a tackle for loss. Moving on, we have Oklahoma State. They get it done against Arizona State, 34-17. We have Michigan State blowing out Akron, number 11 Michigan State, uh, is, uh, to be exact, blowing out Akron, 52-0. Not much to say here. Uh, we have a top 25 match between two SEC teams here. Number 18, Florida takes an L uh, on the road to Kentucky. Uh, number 9, Kentucky final score, 26-10. We had number 7, Stanford. Sorry, number 7, USC get the win against Stanford again. I'm not I'm not taking that game serious. Stanford only won three games. We got people already calling them a champion or a, a revitalized program, and they're only two games into the season. I refuse to, to, to drink that Kool-Aid, y'all. They're going to have to win the Pac-12 for me to be impressed or convinced. I'm not hearing it. I refuse to buy it. I'm not impressed by wins against Stanford or Rice. Sorry. Go back to the drawing board, beat Utah, and then we can talk. And then uh, finally, uh, another impressive score of the night. We have number 12, Utah, wrapping up everything on Saturday night uh, against Baylor, uh, number 17, Baylor. Uh, final score uh, in this one, I think it was uh, Baylor 26, sorry, BYU 26, Baylor 20. Uh, for Baylor, Blake uh, Blake Shapin would lead the way for them, 18 to 28, 137 yards. Uh, he would have a 
touchdown. Uh, Quaylen James would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 67 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Ben Sims would have a receiving touchdown. And linebacker Matt Jones would get eight total tackles, a sack, and a tackle for loss. Up next, we have Jaron Hall. He would go 23 of 39 for 261 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Bopini Katoa would be the team who will score on the ground. And uh, Chase uh, Robert, Robert, sorry, Chase Roberts would have eight total catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. And linebacker, this is, I like this name right here. Linebacker Ben Bywater. Yes, I didn't make this up. Ben Bywater. That's his name. He, was, he must have been born by a creek or something. Can't make this stuff up. And I'm not really roast. I think it's an inter- interesting name. Uh, got that little Native American feel to it. I don't know if he is or not. But anyways, Ben Bywater. <laughs> he's, been, he's been by water. 11 total tackles. He would have a sack. He also have one and a half tackles for loss. And then we have... Uh, the, the Cougars in general, as a as a as a squad on defense, they were forced four total sacks. So this is good. I mean, this is a good game for BYU. Of course, um, it gives me it makes me a little bit <laughs> nervous as an Oregon fan to be honest with you because again we got to go up against this team this week. Uh, very interesting to say the least. But as a uh, just as a as a I guess a preview of the matchup. I mean, we have Oregon. Look in their rooms kind of still from what happened within the Georgia. And then, of course, last week they were able to kind of get their shit together and blow out Eastern Washington. But again, it's, a East, it's Eastern Washington. So I don't want to put too much on that game. Uh, I think Oregon, I mean, uh, they put the foot on the gas and they blew them out just to kind of... I mean, because I think they could have taken it easy in that game as well. But I, I also think uh, in that situation, they wanted to make sure that they can score. They, they know exactly what they want to do. They feel comfortable. Uh, going into this game, uh, we obviously can see that BYU can get to the quarterback. Uh, they can put points on the board. Uh, the thing is, can Oregon can, can Oregon sustain drives? And that's something that I didn't see versus Georgia. And I'm going to take a lot of what I saw this season. Because uh, it's only been two games so far, but I'm gonna I'm gonna you know base a lot of this off the game that I saw them play against a real legit opponent. Again, I'm not gonna put a whole lot of stock into that Washington State game, although they looked a lot better. We just know we just know that Oregon. I mean, we just know that Washington and I mean, sorry, BYU is not on the level of, B, of is not on the level of, B, of Eastern Washington. So it's not. I, it wouldn't be fair for me to really go off of that game. Um, I know Georgia is not on the level of BYU either. They're a lot better than BYU as well. But again, they're both FBS, and at this point, you know they're in, in Power Five conferences. Well, at least BYU is going to be. They're going to be in a Big Twelve eventually. But um, just say, looking at all that and having said all that, I I think that if, if Oregon, like I said, can sustain drives, not turn the ball over, that should be fine. Um, I'm not, I mean, again, looking at, you know, BYU offensively, uh, Jaron Hall looks to be a decent, you know, passer. Um, they, I don't know if they'll be able, I don't think they'll be able to just run the ball over us, but again, you know, we had Chase Roberts with a good game as well. And we'll, and I think, you know, I don't know how good we are, uh, against the pass, um, necessarily. Well, you know, you know, Stetson Bennett had a pretty good game against us throwing a ball. So these are some things to worry about. I mean, I'm definitely worried about how we're able to stop, 
stop the stop BYU's offense and keep them off the field. That's another thing that we'll have to worry about keeping keeping the Cougars off the field and us sustaining drives. I think if Oregon can sustain drives again, no turnovers, uh, you know, to speak of, particularly from Bo Nix, nothing that costs us a drive. We have to again, we're especially getting deeper into our end zone. We got to be able to score. That's the thing here. Uh, I don't know necessarily about well, no BYU. I mean BYU can give up points again. They did play against Baylor. Um, We'll talk about Baylor in just a second uh, about them. But again, you know, BYU can score points. And it looks as though, I mean, at least defensively, um, they have some good athletes here. Again, we just mentioned Ben Bywater, 11 total tackles. He had a tackle for sack, a tackle for loss, and a sack. Altogether, they had four sacks. So they can get to your quarterback as well. All things that Oregon has to kind of look at. Although I don't think they gave up a whole lot of sacks against Georgia. They didn't have a whole lot of yards on the ground. They didn't have a, you know, again, they didn't give, in my opinion, uh, you know, they didn't give Bo Nix a clear pocket either. So uh, if we can have our star, if we can have our, you know, playmaker show up, again, Bo Nix, Bo Nix doesn't make any stupid plays, no, doesn't make any stupid throws, you know, we can have ourselves a decent win. I don't think we blow this team out. I don't think we're we're there just yet, but I think we can get a solid maybe, maybe, I, well, I'll just say like this. I say we can win by at least one score. Again, if we don't turn the ball over, and I mentioned like things before, that, we, that I mentioned the things that I did before, we run the ball, sustain drives, we should be able to win by one score in this game. It's going to be hard because I think BYU is going to come to play, and I think we should not be overlooking this team. As long as we're not overlooking this team, Again, it'll be a close, a close one, still a close one. So let's move on to the Big 12. I wanted to break down this conference for you guys. Uh, let's just get on ahead. Let's all get right into it. Uh, first off, we have Oklahoma. Uh, they started off with two easy wins so far, one against UTEP. Again, we talked about the win against Penn State, 33-3. And then they have another one on the way, of course, with, oh, sorry, on the road at Nebraska. Uh, this season, they brought back 10 total starters on the offense. Uh, they are working with some new guys here, particularly at quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he's replacing Caleb Williams. 70 total touchdowns, also four to 14 interceptions with a 63%, sorry, 61% completion percentage in three seasons at UCF. Uh, they're also bringing back their top receiver, sorry, they're bringing back their leading receiver or second leading receiver from last year, Marvin Mims. Uh, the O-line, uh, they're having some transfers come in from Cal and TCU, and they have a combined 125 starts. So again, uh, look for this team to stay, I, I would say, still say, you know, stay potent offensively. I think Dylan Gabriel is a really good quarterback. A lot of people aren't necessarily, you know, high on him. Why? Because he played for Central Florida for some reason, as though these teams, all these other teams are so much better and all the, they're producing all these great quarterback talents, whatever. Um, if we look at Alabama, think about it. How many pro caliber quarterbacks you see coming out of there? Let's not get into where schools these people come from. Let's just let's just judge them by what they do. So far, uh, he's he's had he's led them to you know two thirty plus point wins. So there's nothing there's nothing negative to really take away from this guy. Uh, and also, like I said, uh, they have a really decent, really good old line with over 120 starts. I mean, that, that, that bodes good for them. They did lose a top rusher in Kennedy Brooks, but they should be all right. Moving on to defense, they lose three starters on the defensive line, including Nick Bonito, uh, one of the top, you know, 
producers in terms of sacks. I believe tackles as well. Uh, they do add three transfers, one of them being Jeffrey Johnson. He would have 12 starts, 44 tackles, and four sacks last year at Tulane. They also get Jonah Laulu. Uh, both of them are going to go on the D-line. And for Laulu, he came from Hawaii. And last year, he had seven starts and 34 tackles and four sacks. So again, they're looking to... So we, don't, we have to wait and see how the season goes to see how these pieces truly fit. But so far... I mean, uh, I believe uh, the first win, I don't think the first one was a shutout, but both of these wins were pretty much blowout wins. I don't, you know, again, so again, the defense seems to be on, on task. Uh, they have their number three and number four tacklers back from last season, Deshaun White and Justin uh, Justin Broyles. Uh, they also returned four of their DBs who have had starting experience. And uh, they also bring in some transfers. So all together, their secondary, at least their defensive backs, have a combined 66 starts. So we have some experience there. Uh, we have some, you know, some talent there. So again, and of course, they recruit very well, if I'm not mistaken. They are the top team in terms of recruiting in their conference right now. I believe, I want to say they're in the top 15 somewhere nationwide recruiting so again they should be solid this year and then going into the future and that's the biggest thing right now uh Britt Minables is a solid defensive coach so again they're in a in the conference where they where offense is a premium so I think it is kind of smart it was smart to get a coach with some uh, defensive background uh they also bring in a new offensive coordinator Jeff Levy and also the new defensive coordinator Ted Roof as well uh so look for things to kind of change or look for things to have changed offensive, offensively in terms of play calling and defensively to some extent as well. So again, but but with that being said, Oklahoma should be in the driver's seat. They came up a little bit short in terms of the conference last season. Of course, they lost to Baylor, uh, but I and I think they lost to uh, Oklahoma State as well. I think they get the revenge in those games. I think both of those teams, Oklahoma State and, and Baylor, take a step back. So they should be able to win this conference. Uh, speaking of Baylor, uh, in 2021, they would finish with the Big 12 title. Like I mentioned, their first 12-win season. And they would all go on to beat uh, their first, you know, they were going to finish ranked top five for, or ranked in the top no, no, no. They would beat a, a ranked uh, top five ranked team as well this season for one of the first times in a long time. Uh, I believe that was uh, Oklahoma. We mentioned that. And then um, on defense, their second best tackler, linebacker Dylan Doyle, does come back this season. Well, did come back this season. They also get three starters on the defensive line to come back. Uh, Siaki Ika is considered to be one of the best defensive tackles in the nation. Four and a half sacks last year, two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, sophomore Blake Shapin will guide the offense this season. He had over 2,200 yards last season, completing about 63% of his passes, 18 touchdowns, and seven, seven interceptions. Of course, we saw him in action, or I mentioned he was in action last week. A couple touchdown passes against BYU. Uh, he does bring back his experience most experienced receivers, uh, that being tight ends Blake Blake Sims, uh, 31 catches, six touchdowns. Also Drake Debbie Debbie uh, or Debney. I think uh, Sims also scored a touchdown. If I'm not mistaken, in that game we mentioned before, they look to be the most productive because, of course, they have the most experience, of course, most targets uh, coming into the season. So, you know, that'll be. That'll be their calling card, but I do think they've fallen off a little bit, particularly on defense. Uh, so, we'll, again, I got I got Oklahoma pulling it off. Uh, but this team should be a, around a 10 to 9 win team. They're not that, they're not, you know, they're not completely removed from where they were a year before. Uh, up next, we have Oklahoma. They bring back four starters on defense. And this was the number four, number three defense in the country. So, again, you know, 
look for this to take a little bit of a step back. Last year, they just gave up about uh, 18 points per game on 290 yards, 298 yards a game. Those numbers will go up a little bit. Uh, linebackers Mason Cobb and Lamont Bishops were backups last season. Now they'll be thrust in the starting roles. They also add transfer Xavier Benson, who last year had 10 sacks. Uh, also, 10 starts. He would have, sorry, he, uh, let me take that back. He would have 10 starts at Texas Tech. Uh, last season, he was a JUCO. Uh, he was at a JUCO and before he transferred. He would have 120 tackles at the JUCO level. Uh, and then also, their biggest asset on the defensive side of the ball will be defensive end Brock Martin, who had 130, sorry, who had 13 starts. Sorry, 13 starts last season, 41 tackles, 9 sacks. And he's also a first-team All-Big 12 in 2021. Now, of course, QB Spencer uh, Spencer Sandler's Spencer Sadler's Spencer Sanders comes back, and uh, his main target will be sophomore Brennan Presley. Uh, his biggest uh, loss will be felt in the running back department. They lose their top rusher from last season, and their only line, their old line uh, has taken a step back too. This season, they're only coming back with 55 combined starts, so not a lot of experience there. And that's the big thing about offensive line uh, and offensive linemen, I should say. Uh, there's no real stat outside of well i think the biggest that you could say is you know you can look at is you know pancake blocks if you want to look at that you can look at sacks allowed uh which they didn't give up give up a lot of last year but again those two stats come with experience uh you can look at you know how many rushing yards they produced uh things of that nature and you know but you know, the, a big stat is games started, games played. Uh, that is experience. Uh, offensive linemen, you know, it's not a stat-driven position. It's an experience-driven position. So to get better at it, to get, you know, better stats, quote-unquote, like, again, more pancakes if you're going to get them, you know, you know, giving up less blocks, that comes with more reps, more, you know, game time and again just 55 starts amongst four or five guys well five starters that we know are going to be on the line maybe two or three other guys are going to be putting in rotation that's not a whole lot of experience to go around those guys so i don't i think they definitely take a step back there um look for this team to probably give up a few more sacks to not be as potent offensively in terms of running the ball so yeah so some things things happen there particularly again they don't have that top rusher from last year it does happen. Uh, they are returning their special teams unit. A uh, big part of that was Tanner Brown, their kicker, 17 to 21, the longest uh, being for 49 yards. Uh, they already have wins over Central Michigan and Arizona State. Uh, their most important uh, win, their most important game, though, uh, that they're going to be having on the schedule, of course, they're going to be at Baylor, where they only have three wins since 2013, uh, and they have to go on, they have to go off and face Texas, who they've only beaten twice since 2015. So some very difficult games here. Uh, they also go on to face Oklahoma, of course. That's at the end of the year. That's their rivalry game. They've only had three wins against them since 2003. So, yeah. Look for this team to take somewhat of a step back. I would say, I would even say seven to eight wins, to be honest with you. Let's move on to Texas. One and one to start the year. Of course, they had a really close loss to Bama. So they look to be kind of 
kind of solid. The secondary loses some depth, especially at safety. Uh, former linebacker Anthony Cook will actually be moving to that position. They bring back their top tacklers, DeMar, uh, DeMarvion Overshawn, and also they bring back, sorry, uh, and Luke Brockmeyer. They both combined for 146 tackles, eight tackles for loss. Uh, Brockmeyer would have two interceptions, and they also get a boost at the linebacker spot with linebacker Diamante Tucker Dorsey. He would have, a, sorry, 117 tackles, nine tackles for loss. He also would have four interceptions. It will be a first-team Colonial Athletic Conference member. So definitely some talent here. Uh, but John Robinson, of course, he was active in last week's game. I believe he had a receiving touchdown. Uh, he was productive on the ground to some to some extent as well. Uh, he'll be a key focus for this offense. Uh, they've just had uh, he's just their second back to go reach a thousand yards plus since two two thousand and six. So again. A lot of weight is on his back. He averaged about 5.8 yards per carry last season. He was a first-team All-Big 12. Uh, he also had 26 receptions. Like we mentioned before, he's also a good part of that receiving game as well. 295 yards last season, also four touchdowns. Texas will bring back their top two receivers. Uh, they uh, One of them broke a freshman record uh, for uh for seeding yards in the, in the season for a freshman, he's also he would also have 12 touchdowns. So again, look for this team to improve. I think particularly on the offensive side of things, defense. I'm a little bit iffy on, but they they've added some talent. They kept two of their top guys, in my opinion. So they should be all right. Um, I definitely think with Texas taking a sorry Baylor taking a step back, we have Oklahoma take to Oklahoma State taking a step back. Texas should move up and be one of your dark horses. Uh, definitely like. In, in, you know, I would even say competing for a number one spot. That Texas-Oklahoma game should be a pretty good matchup this year. Up next, we have Kansas State. They just bring back seven starters. Oh, actually, they bring back seven starters on defense. I think 12 or 14 starters overall. Uh, now, this includes their best tackler, Daniel Green. Daniel Green, who last year had 13 tackles for, for a loss. He also had three sacks. They also bring back defensive end Felix uh, Anudike Azuma. He would have 11 sacks last year. They like I said, they brought back seven starters on offense as well. Running back Deuce Vaughn is one of the top backs in the, in the, in the nation. Last year, he had over 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns. He also had 49 receiving yards. Sorry, 49 receptions. Uh, he led the team in that stat. He also had four touchdowns. Uh, he was tied for the lead in receiving touchdowns. And, okay, the number two receiver, uh, Phillips Brooks, he comes back as well. 543 yards that led the team. Also, Vaughn is already, you know, balling out this year. He's at over, he's at over 271 yards, three touchdowns. Kansas State looks to be in a positive direction. Uh, look out, look for them to be a dark horse. I definitely could see them being a dark horse. Uh, I mentioned before, oh, Let's look at TCU. Uh, they have some. Uh, they have some new coaches, new schemes over the offseason. They brought in Sonny Dykes. Uh, he takes over for Gary Patterson, who's been there forever. Uh, for Dykes, he was an offensive coordinator there in 2017. He also served as a head coach at SMU, at Cal, also Louisiana Tech. Uh, he brings in. He brings in his offensive coordinator from SMU. Uh, they also led that. They would lead that team to their first 10 win season since 1984. So definitely some positives coming back to the. Frogs. Uh, they bring in defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie, who's been a semifinalist for the Defensive Coordinator of the Year award. Uh, he brings in a 4-2-5 defense, and there will also be a new special teams coordinator as well, Mark Tomerdahl. Uh, they bring back eight starters defensively, including three on the defensive line. Their top performer linebacker, D. Winters, comes back as well. Last year, he had 74 total tackles, four tackles for loss, and two interceptions, as well as four others in the linebacker, uh, linebacker core who have uh, started experience. 
experience. So Max Duggan, he comes back as the as uh, their top quarterback. Uh, in his time in Fort Worth, he's improved his completion percentage from 53% all the way to about 64, so a long way. Uh, he's there. He's fifth in all-time passing yards with over 5,900. And his top target comes back as well. Quentin Johnson, who last year had 634 yards and also six touchdowns. Their top running backs return as well. Taj Brooks, he had over 568 yards. Uh, we also have uh, Sir Roderick uh, Thompson. He had over 500 yards as well and 10 touchdowns on the ground. So a very potent offense. I think there's some things that they're going to be uh, changing up on defense. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, you can probably say this is a sleeper team. I don't see why not. And then finally, another sleeper team possibly would be Kansas as well. I don't see why Kansas uh, will be all that uh, would all will be that far off. Uh, they're two and zero for the first time in a long time. Um, they scored 104, 101 points. Excuse me, in the past two weeks, this is some good stuff here. I'm not saying that they're gonna turn around and, and beat everybody and you know be this great, awesome team right away. But this might be the start of something decent. Uh, quarterback Jalen Daniel four total touchdowns in those uh, two games, uh, three three passing, one on the ground. Uh, he's their leading rusher from last season is back. Uh, Devin Devin Ned. Uh, he had four uh, four rushing touchdowns so far this season uh four starters on the o-line they come back uh this season they combine for 89 starts so not not a whole lot of starts but again there's there's four of them <laughs> there's a good number of them and like i said they had a good start so far to the season um also the defense is somewhat of a cause for concern they've already given up uh, a bunch of points so far the past two games they gave up 42 points in the last uh in last week's game versus west virginia although they won and the cool part about that is that their that's that was their season average from last year, so 42 points. So uh, they got to turn that around. They already given up 42. They've already pretty much given up their you know their season average in their past two games or over that. So that has to improve. Although their offense is a seeding, so that's why they're winning games. They got to get their defense in line though, or, or otherwise it's going to be kind of out of place. Um, Let's see. Uh, they do uh, bring back five uh, starters. Well, at least five players with starting experience. Or actually, let me take that back. Eight players with starting experience on the defense side, on the defensive side of things. They also bring back their top tackler, safety Kenny Logan, who had over a hundred tackles last season. Uh, and also um, on the defensive line, they bring back a few a few players with starting experience as well. Uh, they also add transfer uh, Lonnie Phillips from Miami of Ohio. Last year, he had nine and a half sacks. So they they trying to improve on defense. Uh, they've made some some moves to to do that, but it just hasn't come to fruition. And that and that's going to be their key against them this year if they can't get it together. But I definitely, with the offense that I've seen so far and their decent start so far, I can at least say that they're a sleeper. And finally, we have West Virginia and Texas Tech. West Virginia has already started off the year zero and two. Last week they came up short against. Uh, Kansas again, an upset for them. For Kansas, one of their biggest games so far of the year. Uh, but for G JT Daniels in that game, he would go 28 of 40. Uh, he would have 300 and I uh, believe uh, 59 yards, three touchdowns, but he would throw a pick. CJ Johnson would have two touchdowns on the ground in that game. Bryce Wheaton would be the team's leading receiver, two touchdowns and also 152 yards. Uh, Sam James would have four catches for 91 yards in that game, also would score. Now, the problem with West Virginia in that game, the Mountaineers would give up 200 yards on the ground also four touchdowns altogether on the ground kansas uh they did they did force kansas to go one sorry no actually kansas was very efficient 
a very efficient on, on third down, going 11 to 15. So that's West Virginia's problems right there. They already can't really uh, get teams off the field in terms of their defense. Um, now, the defense lost 10 starters going into the offseason, so there you go. They've already allowed 93 points and two losses, uh, 419 yards allowed versus Kansas. In Pittsburgh, they gave up 384 yards, and uh, they only have two linebackers back with starting experience and uh, just one uh, player in the secondary. Um, yeah, so it's going to be hard for this team. Uh, they've they've been outgained on the uh, they've been pretty much um, they've been outgained on both by both opponents in the last two games. So uh, they've you know given up a lot of points. They're giving up a lot of uh, yards. They can't stop nobody. It's, it might be an ugly year for West Virginia, believe it or not. And then finally, like I mentioned, Texas Tech, they have some coaching changes as well. They're bringing in Joy McGuire, who previously served on the Baylor staff. Uh, they also bring in some new coordinators as well. Uh, Zach Kitley from West Western Kentucky. So look for that offense to pretty much go back to its high-powered roots. Uh, well, pretty much where it's always tried to be, you know, air raid pass first when we can run the ball we'll do that too uh like i said they bring in defensive coordinator tim deruder out of oregon he runs a 4-2-5 defense i think that's very um that's per the course in my opinion for this type of uh you know conference and the offense that they the offense that they type of run they, they like to run uh they throw the ball a lot multiple receiver sets so again four down linemen to generate some passing some pass rush you also got five people in the secondary a couple linebackers who can who can either you know stop the run or they can use them in, in coverage so again you have those options there uh they bring back 12 starters on uh the they bring back 12 total starters, including their quarterback, Donovan Smith. Uh, he's able to, He was able to win the starting job after the, the, the first couple of games. So, yeah, they, that, you have that going for Texas Tech. They had a really solid uh, win against Houston. So, again, some positives. I believe they're 1-1 one one so far on the year right now. Um, this team needs some time to, to improve. They brought, they're bringing in a new defense. Their offense is somewhat new. Uh, so, again, this team is probably going to take a step back here, look for them to finish kind of near the bottom. I don't see them finishing in last place. I will actually give that to either West Virginia or maybe even still Kansas. Uh, but Texas Tech, they make some strides, but – I would even still say they're mid. I'm definitely going to still say that they're going to be mid. And finally, like I said, we have the big headline here, Scott Frost. He's done. He was fired after uh, Saturday's game versus uh, Georgia Southern. They came in here a three-touchdown favorite. Of course, they were going to lose that game 45-42, to giving up 642 yards of offense. And I mentioned this before. I'm, I'm telling you, there was so much stress on this man about this job. I know it was. Him being the last person here to have his team successful. Of course, he was a player at that time. They won a national championship with him as a quarterback. I knew he came in here with so much pressure. I knew he would have this pressure on him. And it's kind of unfortunate because he really just could not get anything done. He just had some ugly losses here and there. Um, he's had some very close wins that he probably should have got. But he just he just couldn't do it. And I feel for him because... I got a lot. I got a lot of respect for Scott Frost, and it's just it just sucks to see him in this situation. But he just couldn't get it done. Uh, of course, he had his contract bought out. Fifteen million. Fifteen million is what Nebraska paid him to go away. They could have waited until October the first to pay him just a seven point five million to buy him out. But they said no. You got to go now. And you know it's bad. You know it's bad. And this is a quote coming from. Uh, Nebraska Vice Chancellor Trev Alberts, uh, he would go on to say, I know how disruptive these changes are, but we needed to inject something into this team to give them the confidence and hopefully help them comp com compete. 
Nothing would please me more than to see a pretty significant change and help the team get over the hump and win some games. So that's that's how they're feeling it. And this is how bad it is. This is another quote. They they want to this is what he this is what Alberts went on to say. We'll stop talking about championships or stop talking about the things we used to do. That's how you know they're so far removed from everything. They just want to they want to get away from all this, and they just want to win. They want to do something different. And they don't even want to talk about what they did in 1987. They don't want to talk about what they did with Tom Osborne and all the great memories that they had. Damn. Well, anyways, associate head coach Mark <laughs> Mickey Joseph, not Mark Joseph, but Mickey Joseph will be taking over until they find a new guy there. Uh, the big name that I'm hearing, uh, there's probably a few names that we could talk about, but the big name that I'm hearing that I can remember off the top of my head is Matt Campbell. Currently, he's the head coach there at Iowa State. Uh, he's done a few things there that are solid. Uh, he led them to a Fiesta Bowl win about a couple seasons ago, but now they're back to the mid-pack, so we'll see what happens. Um, they, they seem to be high on him, uh, but and that seems to be the main name that I can hear, remember that, or at least remember. So we'll have to see, but it's a very difficult job. You can't really recruit there. I mean, again, we're in the modern era where they're not, where there's everybody, where there's a whole lot of other teams that people could go to. Uh, we have NIL that they got to compete with. So again, you know, unless they're winning, it's like, eh, you know. But Frost would go five or twenty-two in his time in Lincoln. Again, boo boo, and they gonna get you. They ain't gonna get you nowhere. I don't know how how he lasted so long, other than the fact that he was a former quarterback that again led them to a national championship. Um, he has 16 one-score losses, the most in FBS right now. Seven last season. So, again, he just couldn't get it done with those one or two plays. Again, uh, uh, the first week of the of the season, that, that loss against Northwestern was pretty much indicative of that. It took him one or two bad play call, calls to get him out of that game. Uh, pretty much the one with the, with the, the onside punt he decided to take up 11 points. He decided to take an onside kick up 11 points. I don't know what made him do that, but again, it's just always those one or two decisions that he's made that's cost him games, particularly in those one possession games. I'm now being able to see it. So uh, Now, again, I just wanted to add this in here. I don't understand what justifies the Big Ten prominence, and this includes the TV deals, the TV rights, whatever bullshit they want to talk about, because all these teams here suck. Rutgers has gone 13-35, to Nebraska has gone 16 to 31. Illinois has gone 19 to 29. And Maryland has gone 19 to 25 since 2018. Now, and that's not including all the times that Michigan has come up short. That's not counting all the other teams with a winning record that doesn't that don't do shit in the conference, like oh Iowa. But we know what Iowa. Let's not talk about Iowa. Uh, we know about Michigan State. They can come up short. They haven't won a Big Ten title. Uh, we we could talk about Northwestern. They haven't won shit either. So again, I don't understand how the Big Ten just just usurps everybody and becomes this big ass dominant TV market. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. There's a bunch of garbage teams. Uh, if I'm not if hey, and we're all talking about Nebraska right now. If I don't know why everybody's silent about Iowa right now. Kurt Ferentz, I was high on him going into the season. Again, losing that game like uh, like they did. I think they lost a ten to seven game to somebody garbage. Unbelievable. I think it was no Iowa State their rival last week. Ten to seven. So Iowa State loses to Iowa. I mean, sorry, Iowa loses to Iowa, Iowa State last week. Ten to seven. And the Hawkeyes are two and zero. Oh. They look terrible. 
I mean, again, y'all not y'all want to talk about one bad Big Ten team, Nebraska, but I'll be talking about Iowa too. Y'all got some terrible teams too. Y'all always love throwing about. Y'all always love throwing out the Pac-12 though. Y'all love throwing us under the bus. Oh, the Pac-12 hasn't won this and that and all that. Well, neither y'all motherfuckers either. So, anyways. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the NFL. Of course, uh, week one is in the books, and we'll be, I'll try to give you guys a breakdown of what I see happening in week two, too. So, all right, y'all. I'll be right back. Back, we are going to get into the NFL course. Week one is in the books. We are on the precipice of week two. Again, we are at Thursday morning. So we're going to take a look at the scores. If I can find a a headline to go over real quick, I will. Uh, But uh, if not, of course, we have later on in the week. But let's get through the scores real quick. And uh, it was a very interesting week, to say the least, starting off with Thursday night's matchup against the Bills and the Rams. Now, the uh, the Bills would get the best of the Rams in this one, 31-10. Very convincing, uh, might I add. Uh, Josh Allen goes 26 of 31, 277 yards, three touchdowns. He would throw two picks, uh, but he would have a rushing touchdowns and uh, would have a rushing touchdown and was the leading rusher with 56 yards on the ground. Stephon Diggs would have eight receptions for 122 yards and a touchdown. Gabe Davis would have four catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. And Isaiah McKenzie, their running back, would step up with a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, Von Miller. Miller will get two sacks, and the Bills altogether will force three picks and would hold the Rams to 52 rushing yards. Damn, they were ready to play. Uh, this might be the year for them. They looking hot right right off the bat. Uh, they would go nine and ten on third down, so they sustained drives and again scored. That's what led you know led to all their scores, and uh, they averaged seven yards per play. So down there at first down. So. Uh, so again, they only had 10 third downs. So that means, and again, they only had 10 third downs. Uh, so situation. So they would convert 90% of them. But again, they only had 10 opportunities because, again, they're averaging about seven yards per play. And that's basically almost a first down. And, you know, if they're averaging seven, seven, seven yards a play, that means one play they're getting seven yards. And again, that next play, more likely they're going to have first down. Uh, but they will give up four, uh, four turnovers. Now, it didn't show up this week because, again, the uh, last week, excuse me, because the Rams did not have a answer offensively for them. Uh, but uh, it, it may show up in other places, in other games. So, particularly, we see Miami looks to be a kind of hot offense as well. At least they can score. So, maybe in a game like that, they might want to look out for that. So, that's the only negative takeaway that I could see. Uh, but outside of, oh, actually, uh, yeah, you know, Josh Allen throwing two picks. Uh, the Rams, you know, they, they have a good secondary. So that might just be just 
just you know on 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 GP of Rams just being a good secondary. So again, that is two things to look out for: two interceptions from uh, Josh Allen, four tur uh, turnovers in, uh, in general. That's what I would look out for if we're looking at negatives. But again, solid win nonetheless. Let's take a look at the Rams. Matt Stafford will go 29 of 41. 240 yards uh, a touchdown he would have an interception and you know uh, no sorry he would have three interceptions so you know not really a good look uh, apparently he did suffer an injury I believe it was in his elbow if I'm not mistaken although uh, we yeah no he's not on the injury report though yeah so yeah it was he you know he Fucked up his apparently he had fucked up his right elbow. It affected looked like he definitely affected him during the course of that game, but apparently he's not on the injury list. He was sacked seven times, but that is an area of concern uh concern though. But like I mentioned, he's not on the injury list, so it looks like he's gonna be playing next week versus Atlanta, which is a good thing. But again, they gave up seven sacks though. But again, where I would say you know, I would be a tad bit concerned with Josh Allen's two interceptions, but then again I mentioned you know, L.A. has a great secondary. Buffalo has a good pass rush. So seven sacks could be indicative of, you know, again, it could have just been a bad game from, you know, uh, the Rams. I think Andrew Whitworth isn't around anymore. But uh, also it could have just been a great game from the Bills, and that's just part of the course for what they do. So Or maybe a mixture of both. So, again, look into that as well. That's, that is something to say here. Cooper Cup had a monster game. 13 catches from him, 128 yards. He would score. Defensive back Troy Hill would show up. Eight uh, eight total tackles in interception. So, like I said, LA's defensive backs, their secondary, they get down, as we can see here. So, I'm not I'm not surprised. I, maybe even Jalen Ramsey got a pick as well, if I'm not mistaken. It, that's just how they roll. So again, Rams come up short. Uh, again, Buffalo, they blow them out, but there's some things to look at there with the four turn total turnovers. So, uh, but Matt Stafford, he did get hurt, but apparently he's going to be all right for next week. But let's move on. We have the Eagles getting it done against the Lions, 38 to 35. Eagles started off really hot, you know, really dominated the game, and out of nowhere, the Lions made it very interesting. But Unfortunately, came up a little bit short. The Niners, they look terrible against the Bears. They lose 10-19 for the Niners. Trey Lance will make his debut. 13-28, 164 yards. He would throw an interceptions. He would have uh, throw an interception. He would have 54 rushing yards. Now, again, it was his first game. You know, his really his first important game because, again, regular season, well, preseason is more important than a regular season, so there's no really comparison to it. So, you know, his first real meaningful game, 54 rushing yards, he's on the road in a really fucked up environment. Um, you know, I don't think it's that indicative. Let's not let's not go too far. The Bears have a very competent defense. It doesn't really matter who their head coach is. They seem to have a great defense. Offense is where they've always had problems, particularly at the quarterback spot. So, given the situation, I, I, I would have to say let's go into week two, week three. I mean, we give we, uh, this is this is funny about the media. Last year, uh, we gave we were quick to give a uh, trick quick to give Trevor Lawrence such a pass because he's a rookie and he's playing under Urban Meyer and he's trash. But, well, hold on now. Trey Lance is relatively new. He hasn't really been playing like that. Give him his little break, too. 
What the fuck is up with y'all? I'm gonna call that shit out. I don't like that. I don't like that shit. Y'all already talking down on him. Fans too, or not necessarily fans, but the media couldn't wait to say, oh, well, he's not. He has some coach. He don't even coach no more. He calling him out. And I'm like, you gave Trevor Lawrence a pass though. Nobody said any. Oh, he's 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 being coached under Urban Meyer. He's a rookie. Trey Lance is technically a rookie. He ain't really played like that. So it's like get up off his tip. Let him get better. Again, Chicago has a very solid defense. They can't play offense, but they have a really good defense. The weather was garbage. It is it's, that's not conducive to production from a rookie quarterback. Come on now, give him a break. Debo Samuel had a pretty solid game. Eight receptions, fifty-two yards. I think he had a couple carries. I think he did score on the ground. And uh, defensively, safety Talanoa Hufanga will come up big with eleven total tackles and an interception. Now for the Bears, Justin Fields had a very ugly game as well. Uh, he was he would go complete. He would actually complete less than fifty percent of his passes at eight of seventeen, one hundred and twenty-one yards, two touchdowns though, and he would throw a pick. So, you know the. Do you want Trey Lance's tad bit better accuracy and more yards? And then again, he produced on the ground. Or do you want Fields two touchdowns? Although he threw a pick and wasn't as accurate. <sighs> you know, both of the quarterbacks didn't look as great. But time will tell. They're still young. Khalil Herbert would have 45 rushing yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Dante Pettis would be the team's leading receiver with 51 receiving yards. He would score as well. And Equinemius St. Brown, very interesting name. Uh, receiving touchdown from him. And then defensively, uh, defensive end Dominique Robinson comes up with seven total tackles and one and a half sacks. I don't, I don't understand how they calculate a half a sack, but they do um, and then finally safety eddie jackson will come up with an interception moving on we had the steelers they get the best of the Bengals. everybody was quick to jump on the Bengals. at least their fan base was uh come on now can you let it ride or i mean can y'all let it ride another season before you you know you start bragging about your team like don't get me wrong i i was high i'm, I'm i was high on the raiders going into this season but i again i had them competing i never once said Super Bowl this, Super Bowl that. I just feel like every other team, I feel like, or every time I talk to somebody else who's a, a different fan of a, a fan of a different team, as soon as they have like a turnaround, they automatically think that they're just, oh, we're great. I talked to a Broncos, bunch of Broncos fans, you know, watch them, few of them on YouTube, and you know, I check out a few of their podcasts, and they instantly said this season they're going to, you know, improve, and they're supposed to win the AFC West. This is what they were saying, a lot of them. They were much better than everybody else, including my team, the Raiders, and um, and it's just like, can you can you watch a game first? Can you can you watch a full you know a full you know a season first? Can we get can we get a chance to gauge this first? Same thing with the Bengals. There a lot of people were just like, oh my God, they're gonna be great. They turned the league around. They've had this great rebuild. Well, the rebuild. Ha well, think about the rebuild is yes, you want to have that 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 turnaround. Yes, that's great. But what good is the turnaround if one year you're gonna go to the Super Bowl and the next year you're not you're gonna barely beat your division, which could happen because again the Steelers are a better team to, not than not than the Bengals but they're a better team than they were last year to some extent. We know the Ravens are a better team. Uh, Lamar Jackson looks a lot better, and. <clears throat> For what is worth, the the Brown well, the Browns have remained consistent except for at quarterback, and if they can remain 
within a decent spot and Deshaun Watson comes back and he's focused to play, hey, you know, we get a focus Deshaun Watson bullshit aside and he's ready to play and he's made his amends and he said sorry and he's done all he can on that end and he's focused on football and hey, you know, you have you have that. So, uh, I mean, uh, okay, Bengals. You already taking the L, so I'm just saying back down to earth. We have the Dolphins here. They get the win 20 to 7 against the Patriots. Very ugly game for the Patriots. Multiple turnovers. Uh just seem to be all out of sorts. That offense, who is the cult the play caller? I think it's Matt Patricia. Ooh, I I think this might be signs of, of Bill maybe showing his age because I think he's getting very stubborn. I think he should have bought in somebody very different. Um, this is uh, this is uh, this is the time where you you see, you know, you should be kind of breaking away from your norms. If I'm Bill, you know, if I'm really trying to win, maybe you probably take not saying that you give up any type of power at least on the defensive end because you seem to be a decent play call there. Although I don't know, uh, they seem to the offense seem to score on some big big plays on y'all, but we'll see uh, on that too. But you know, you, you I think offensively you should have brought in somebody. Uh, outside instead of trying to keep it in house. Nobody there calls offense that game. Um, yeah, it's obvious. Uh, let's move on. The Browns, uh, yes, they get the win over the, over the Panthers 26 24. Baker Mayfield looked average as usual. It's supposed to be a revenge game, and of course, yeah, you know. And then we had a tie here. Very interesting. Colts, Texans. If you looked at it in the beginning, you would have thought the Texans had an easy, easy upset win. Could have been a blowout if you would have, if you would have looked at it at the beginning. And then the Colts kind of come back and have their little comeback, and they're excited. And, and again, they turn the ball over and they fuck up. And Matt Ryan just ceases to just not amaze me. And so again, the, the game ends in an uneventful tie, and both teams look very pedantic. Yep, I said it, pedantic. And then you move on, we have the Saints and the Falcons, NFC South matchup. They hate each other, always have, you know, I don't know, they down the block. I guess that's why they should hate each other. And, um, you know, in this, you know, reiteration of the rivalry, the Saints get the win 27 to 26. Whoop, kind of, I guess, whoop de doo you know. I don't see any, neither one of them teams coming out of the, you know, the South or it doing anything remarkable this season. Uh, the Falcons had an early lead, as you know, almost shades of 28-3, and, and they end up, yeah, losing by one. So there you go. That that's 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 indicative. That's Atlanta in a nutshell. Uh, let's move on to the Ravens. They get a blowout win against the Jets, 24-9. <laughs> Joe Flacco face off uh, faces off against his old team. I don't even know why they still want to start him, but that goes to show you what's up. What's what's up with your boy uh, uh, Zach and Cody? What's up with your boy? Why he ain't starting? Um, yeah, what's up with that? But anyways, Joe Flacco. You know, he, uh, old man river, 37 to 59. Oh, he's, re- oh, by the way, Zach, uh, Zach Wilson has decided to come back to practice. Yeah, he had a, he had an injury, but they're going to stick with Joe Flacco when we, we two looks like, did he, did he throw his hip out from fucking all them cougars or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he just, it just seems to be kind of injury prone. I will say that. Anyways, back to old man Flacco. Uh, 37 to 59, 
307 yards, touchdown, interception, indicative of him. Uh, Mark Michael Carter, 60 yards on the ground, had a decent fantasy game. If I would have started him, I'm kicking, kicking, uh, kicking my feet in the air right now. That's not right. I should have started him, left him on the bench, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, at least in my league, he balled out. I don't know about y'all league. But anyways, Corey Davis, six receptions, 77 yards. Tyler Conklin would have a receiving touchdown. Linebacker C.J. Mosley would have 11 total tackles. It is what it is. The Jets, you know, y'all got y'all got issues, man. That's all I'm going to say. But for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson trying to prove to the world that he's a competent quarterback. And I've always thought he was. I mean, again, y'all don't like him for some reason. 17-30, uh, uh, 213 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Rashad Bateman would have uh, two receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. And David DuVernay, a uh, rookie, uh, four receptions from him, 54 yards and, and two touchdowns. Uh, the Jets would actually outgain the Ravens 274 to 378 so uh you know so that's interesting there but marcus williams on the defensive end came up pretty uh pretty big 12 total tackles and an interception from him moving on we had the jaguars uh they take a loss here to the commanders 22 to 28 and how come nobody's saying anything about trevor lawrence how come we just you know cool with the fact that he's underachieving but anyways we have the vikings here uh they get the win over the packers 23 to 7 a rod has been showing his age well he's showed showed his age uh well he did show his age Excuse me, 23, 22 or 34, 195 yards. He would throw a pick. A.J. Dillon, 45 yards on the ground. He would score 46 receiving yards from him, so he helped. Linebacker Rashawn Gary, seven total tackles from him and a sack for the Vikings. Kirk Cousin will go 23 or uh, 32 for 277 yards. He would throw two touchdowns. They also got Dalvin Cook getting 90, 90 yards on the rush, 90 yards on the ground. And then we have J.J., a.k.a. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions. 184 yards, two touchdowns. Defensively, Jordan Hicks would come up with 14 total tackles on the sack. And safety, Justin Smith, sorry, Harrison Smith. I don't know why I came up with Justin. Harrison is written right here in front of my face. But seven total tackles and an interception. Moving on, the Chiefs get a blowout over the Cardinals, 44-21. to That helped me out in fantasy this week. Thank God for Patrick Mahomes. Thank you, sir. You helped me out this week. I would have lost if it wasn't for you. But we had the Giants here. They get a they get a one point win over the, the Titans. But hey, it's a win, twenty one to twenty. And my Raiders, the fuck guys, the fuck, and they come up short. All the hype. We got a lot of hype too. From some for some of our fans, but it's like I mean I, I I expected us to be better, but it's not like I expected us to just you know run rub shot. I think we're gonna have our growing pains. It's just like a growing, it's like a it's like a you know growth you know it's a growing spurt. You know you have your moments right, but again just to come out kind of flat like we did and to just see Justin you know Derek Carr uh, with three interceptions. Just come on, bro. Like Josh Jacobs again living up. To, to why we're not resigning him. Only 57 rushing yards. That's why. If y'all want to know why you don't want to resign him. Why you, well, because he only going to put up 57 yards. This is an important game, dude. This is, you know, and you could say, well, the old line is, I don't know if it's always old line. You know what I'm saying? I, You know, he might not just be that dynamic of a back. And I've said this before. Moving on, Devontae Adams had a really good game. 10 receptions, 141 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Bolden, somebody uh, really familiar with Josh McDaniel's offenses down there playing with him. Uh, with the Patriots uh, he had a receiving touchdown and Jonathan Abram 11 total tackles led our defense in that department so again very very solid game uh, in that in that in that realm but just you know Justin Herbert just just went off on us and it's just like 
come on now. And then, you know, just overall, like, our defense just and well and then they'll say our all all line but you know just again like I'm still not convinced man Justin Herbert 279 yards three touchdowns that was their offense that was it his just his arm because they didn't have no rushing game okay you got uh, DeAndre Carter he scores okay fine but Again, three touchdowns from the quarterback. You can't stop the pass, still. No, you know, and I'm, that's frustrating. That's what you know. That's what we got to get through. So again, we got to win important games like that. And until then, I'm. I think we're gonna be. We should be a better team, but I don't. I I I feel still feel like there's gonna be a ceiling, and I understand where. I will say, and what's frustrating. The reason why. I get frustrated when people do talk shit because at the end of the day, there's a ceiling on the team and it is kind of warranted with some of the negative. Well, not even the negativity in terms of shit talking, but again, if you have some analysis that's, you know, get, you know, that's anti, not even anti rated but you know what I mean? It, it's, it's justified, particularly in a loss like this is what I'm saying. But anyways, the Buccaneers, uh, they get a win over the Cowboys 19 to three. They start their season off with a win despite all the drama. Of course, I don't give a fuck about Tom Brady's relationship. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm not going to tell you what he should do. I'm not going to tell you how Jashelle should feel. I'm not taking sides in that. That has nothing to do with me. I'm single. He's married. We have two totally different experiences right now. I'm happy. He, he, I think he's generally happy, but he got to get, get his shit right on that other end of his life. So I'm not into that. That ain't for me. That's for gossip and tabloids. That ain't for me. But anyways, he would have a decent game, 18 to 27, 212 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick. Leonard Fournette did his thing on the ground despite not scoring 127 yards. Mike Evans would score, though. Five catches, 71 yards to add to that. And defensively, uh, we had Devin White would get eight total tackles and two sacks. And then Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, just like his pops. <laughs> just getting interceptions. I'm telling you, man, it, I mean, it got to make Antoine Winfield proud to see that. I mean, damn, because I remember his dad back on Madden his last couple of years, and I'm like, wow. To think about, you know, you playing as his son now on a Madden game, and it's like, whoa, what the fuck? Am I old? Am I in a time continuum? What time is relative? But anyway, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, wow. Mm, 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 mm. Isn't it like this every year for y'all? And I feel for y'all. I really do sometimes, even though y'all kind of overinflate yourselves every year. To an extent, my fan base does too. I'm probably one of the only fans that don't, and that's why everybody be questioning me. What's up with you? But I'm like that with all my teams. I like everybody look at me like, why don't you? Why do you always be? Because I have to be critical. You know, you have to be honest. You have to, look. We lost, so now you have to reassess and look at why you lost. Anyways, back to the Cowboys. Same story every year. Dak gets hurt. He goes 14 to 29. He throws a pick. The, the Cowboys want to convince you that he's going to be out for four weeks. Everywhere else is saying six to eight. So I'm going to say four to eight and give you somewhere in there. I don't I don't know. I am not a doctor. I'm not Dak Prescott. I don't know how he feels. You're moving on, Ezekiel Elliott, again, I don't know why they haven't thought about trading him. Just has been ineffective in, in their really big, important games. Again, this is another game. 52 rushing yards, no touchdowns. 
Noah Brown, leading receiver, five catches, 68 yards. Micah Parsons had a really good game with two sacks. Uh, but uh, the all altogether very sloppy game with 10 total penalties. You don't do that. You don't do that. And, um, yeah, just, just very sloppy. You know, and like I said, Zach, you, now you got Dak out right now. And who knows what happens with this team, you know. Jeez. Uh, tough break. Tough break. Tough break, niggas. <laughs> the world of Dave Chappelle. Tough break, niggas. <laughs> but uh, finally, this is how we're going to end it off, at least for these game recaps. Uh, the Broncos. And this is what I always like to see sometimes. Well, Broncos fans in particular, I've never had this experience, fans, with Chiefs. I just know that they're a deep rival. I just know, you know, the Chargers are supposed to be this deep rival and they're close. They live near, well, they're in our state, right? But I've always just, I don't know, me and my personal experience, I've always found the most shit talking as fans to be the Broncos fans. They get on my fucking nerves. So it's always good to see them choke. And it was good to see them choke. You know, despite them having Russell Wilson, and I got a lot of respect for Russell Wilson, although I feel like he's fell off a little bit the past few years. But uh, nobody wants to admit that, including Denver fans. But uh, hey, y'all, let's ride. Anyways, uh, they choke, like I mentioned, and it's beautiful because they just had a epic brain fart on the count of Nathaniel, Mr. Nathaniel Hackett, their head coach. Final score, 16-17. Russ, Mr. Let's Ride, goes 20 with 29 of 42, 340 yards, but just one touchdown. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 52 yards on the ground, fumble on the end zone. Same thing for Javante Williams, ugly game for them. Jerry Judy, four receptions, 102 yards, interesting. He might be uh, a receiver to... Uh, elevate from this squad he might be one of those he might be one of the ones that they've been talking about to kind of break through who knows he might be the one and a touchdown i forgot he scored too so he might be the one this year i'm still not sold on everybody else i'm just gonna be honest with you Cortland sudden mid everybody else mid until it proven otherwise tim patrick who mid till otherwise whoever you got there is mid other than jerry judy until otherwise Bradley Chubb will come up with two sacks. And for the Seahawks, Geno Smith, you, he, he said it himself. You decided to write him off. I decided to not really get into it. He ain't that raw. Well, I thought he wasn't that raw at the time. Um, and I and I just started, you know, I just stopped thinking about it. Um, Y'all wrote him off, though. <laughs> and he decided to not write back. He ends up winning the game. He went 23-28, 195 yards, two touchdowns. He outperformed Russell Wilson in terms of scoring. And actually, in my opinion, total composure. Uh, he seemed to be no interceptions. Uh, really good game. Um, of course, he didn't get a touchdown in the second half, and I know people are going to bring that up, but he didn't throw interception. He didn't give up a fumble, as far as I know. So, uh, you know, take it what you will. Really good performance. Good job. Rashad Penny, 60 yards on the ground. Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, and, uh, uh, sorry, both of those guys will score a touchdown. They will be the, on the receiving end of those Geno Smith passes. I'm just going to give Geno Smith just through what he's been through. And like I said, even I, you know, just decide to not even, you know, mention him. And, you know, I didn't, you know, care, you know, about, you know, I'm not saying I didn't care about him as a human being. I didn't, you don't know him first and foremost. So, you know. 
you know, and he, you know, he wasn't starting nowhere, so it wasn't no point in checking on him, I guess. But uh, I guess we all wrote him off. So for what he's been through, I'm gonna have to give him the MVP of the week. Really solid performance and just getting the win like that. And of course, you know, the Broncos, you know, their play calling will will be, you know, really what comes down to it. But at the same time, two fumbles, you know, on the goal line, Seattle had to make those recoveries. It, you know, they, you know, the the Broncos could have recovered those, and it could have been a second chance. But you know, Seahawks took the ball away twice in the end zone from them. You got to give them that. And you know, Geno Smith did what he could do offensively to give that team the extra edge early. Uh, but defensively for Seattle, Jordan Brooks would get twelve total tackles. Corey Barton and Uchenna Inwosu would both get sacks. Uh, they would give up twelve penalties though, so it was sloppy on that regard. So they got to, they got to. You know, tighten that up. But even then, that goes to show you just how bad the Broncos played. Let's be real here. Uh, actually, that might be that might be twelve penalties for the Broncos. Actually, uh, they fumbled it. Yeah, yeah. So those that's actually for the Broncos. They fumbled. They had twelve uh, penalties. Fumbled twice at the goal line. Decided to go for the sixty-four yard field goal at the end on a fourth and five. When you have let's ride with you, you should have you should have rolled with Russell. Like they ride with. He told you, let's ride. Why do you think he said that? So you could give him that opportunity to throw the ball. Duh. Dumbass Nathaniel Hackett. I don't even understand why. Why did they get you again? Oh, because they thought they was going to get Aaron Rodgers first. That's why they got you. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I like to roast sometimes. Um, Anyways, when we uh, take a look at it all, you know, Raiders, they came up short. Stop doing that shit. Y'all getting on my nerves. That's all I'm going to say. You have a winnable game next week against the, the Cardinals. The Cardinals they can, seem like they can give up a lot of yards to the air. Derek Carr, if he's precise, he should have a decent game, a redeemer game. Um, you know, the running game, oh, my God, just, just so much more to be desired. I want Zamir White to get some more carries. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, if he's healthy, uh, he could not. He, I got to check on his status. That may be why he didn't get enough or you know, you didn't see him too much. I'd rather see him get some action. Again, today we have the Chargers and the Chiefs. I think this one could be a barn burner. We're talking about 50-plus points, maybe even 60. Uh, I think Chiefs are going to come out there looking to score. I think if L.A. doesn't turn the ball over, well, they are missing one of their top receivers, though. But I think they should be potent enough, you know, to the point where they can, they can kind of keep it you know, keep it interesting. I see the Chiefs pulling out the win, though. Uh, like I said, high scoring, though. Uh, later on in the week, uh, we got uh, the Patriots facing off against the Steelers. Patriots look very bad offensively. I think the the Steelers coming in here with a solid defense. I, I give the Patriots, I'm sorry, the Steelers a nine in this one. Uh, they probably put up about 20 points, but they probably only going to give up about 10 to New England's offense. I think New England's offense sucks, and they have you know, trash play calling. So easy win there for the Steelers. Uh, Panthers, Giants, uh, a game of two ugly quarterbacks who can't play the game. I, I don't care. Browns, Jets, yeah, Browns, Jets, Jets choke. They don't ever win nothing. I'm going to go with the Browns. They seem to be, cons- they seem to have a decent shot at maintaining a decent record until their quarterback come back. And, you know, again, Y'all can say what you want. They, they still might be able to do something positive for themselves to see, at least in terms of winning and losing. So, hey, let's just be real on a football standpoint. If they're able to 
maintain a decent record and Deshaun Watson again comes back focus uh we have the Colts facing off against the Jags again a game I don't care about Trevor Lawrence seems to be a, a dud I'm just gonna be honest with you he seems like a, a bust to me uh Colts they got your boy Matt Ryan you better hope your boy Jonathan Taylor shows up I'm banking on him because he's my starter for fantasy I'm gonna go with the Colts <laughs> but moving on this is a very interesting game we have the Ravens and the Dolphins Ah, Ravens, Dolphins. I, I like the Ravens' defense, but the Dolphins' offense seems to be a lot better. I have a, I, I'm going to push. I'm going to give this game a push. Buccaneers, uh, they go on the road uh, to face the Saints. I like the Buccaneers in this one. They just seem to be a little bit more consistent. I, I like. I don't know who the Saints are going to have at quarterback. I heard James Winston got injured. I don't know to the extent, but I'm going to go with the with the Buccaneers. Uh, they seem to just be a better team overall. Commanders, Lions, Lions. They need to get a game. They need to get some type of win. I, the Commanders seem to, to be the team to give it away to them. I got. I got the Lions getting a win. Rams beat the Falcons too easy. Niners, Seahawks, eh, Niners. I guess. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. Uh, we got uh, we got a few more things to go over, and then also um, I have a word on the street segment. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. We're back. I'm gonna wrap this up for today, and a few more uh, matchups for week two that I wanted to get over for the NFL. Um, Texans Broncos. You know, this one's gonna be a little bit of a tricky one here. The Broncos seem to have shot themselves in the foot. A lot last week, either it would be play calling or giving up turnovers. So this one's going to be a little bit hard. I think they're going to be a slight favorite against the Texans because, again, the Texans haven't won, you know, uh, just yet. Last week they had a tie, uh, but they can score. Uh, looks like David Mills uh, is, or Davis Mills, is a legitimate quarterback, to say the least. And I think they can find ways to put points on the board. If their defense can show up and make it a low-scoring affair, then the Texans might be able to pull an upset. Uh, but, of course, I think the Broncos are favored in that one. And they should get it They should get it done, albeit maybe by a slim margin, to say the least. Uh, moving on, we have the Bears, Packers. Um, it seems to be a you know a different year for the Packers. I've I kind of joked, I hinted at it a little bit. I think Aaron Rodgers might be showing his age just a little bit um, in terms of getting the ball there. Also, he mentioned um, recently in the media that he need he needs some better communications with his receivers. So his team team is still trying to find its way there. Um, I think the ba the Bears though are just not the team to beat him this week. I think the Packers kind of get their shit together and they're at least able to beat. A less competent team being the Bears, so I got the Bears. I sorry, I got the Packers winning week two. Uh, we have the Bills and the Titans facing off. I think this one is goes without saying. Uh, I think the Bills uh, can definitely get the win in this one. I think they cut off the turnovers. I think it's an easy blowout win for them. Uh, up next, we have an NFC matchup between the Vikings and the Eagles. Um, you know. A lot's been said about Kirk Cousins not being able to get uh, get it done in, in certain games. I, I, you know, he's dealing with a quarterback who's kind of sort of on his level with Jalen uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, this one's a little bit difficult. Um, I think this one is another push match for me. Push 50-50 uh, kind of situation here. I, I don't see uh, any way in which I, I, I can't see any team favorite going into this one. And then finally, uh, we have the Cowboys and the Bengals. Uh, of course, uh, the Cowboys are without Dak. 
for up to eight weeks. Uh, as far as the Bengals are concerned, they're just trying to get right from their first loss of the year. So I got the I got the Bengals in this one. I just don't think, well, outside of defense, I don't think Dallas is going to have a whole lot to offer up in this matchup. So I got I got the I got sorry, I got the Bengals winning rather easily in this one. All right, y'all. So I'm going to take a um take a take a moment of time away from sports for a little bit. We're going to wrap everything up here with this word on the street segment. I wanted to get some things off my chest. Um recently we've had another uh rapper find himself murdered in the streets. This time, uh, his, his name, uh, well, his rap name is P&B Rock by way of Philadelphia. His uh, real name is Rakeem Hashim Allen. Now, recently, um, he was in Los Angeles. I'm not too sure for what reason. Um, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a fan of the guy. I don't you know, really know who he is to that uh, extent, but again, I see another brother being murdered in the street for no fucking reason. It bothers me. It bothers me. It really does. It's, it, it, you know, it's the same age as me, born in 1991, actually a little bit younger than me, by about a month, whatever, five, some months. And um, it's bothersome. You know, um, I could... I could see if he had, you know, murdered somebody, particularly on the West Coast or something, or had this history of, of being maybe a child molester or something, or something like that to that nature. But there's nothing to that. And nothing had came out that he was a snitch or something. You know, you know everything that pe- everything that people said was maybe they, you know, maybe his girl should have posted this online or. He was, he was, he had some chains on and, and Roscoe's in a bad neighborhood. And yeah, I'll be it. Yeah, you want to avoid certain neighborhoods. You want to not go certain places. But, you know, why should it be like that? Why do as black people we have to worry about where we go, where we're seen? Why we can't wear a gold chain somewhere sometimes? Why we can't wear a diamond chain somewhere? Or a diamond watch? Why we all can't wear our own shit? without somebody killing us. That's a crab in a bucket mentality and there's no excuse. It's almost like, you know, like, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to the, to the responses on, on social media, like, oh, he shouldn't have came out here like that. Oh, LA niggas. Like, it's almost like, a, it's like it's a game. It's not a fucking game. This motherfucker had two kids that he was taking care of. He's providing for so many people through his music and we thought it was okay to take that away because he went to a certain neighborhood with a, with a, with a, with a chain on. And by all means, it could have happened in his own town. That's just how we are to each other. It's not even about the chain. It's about we don't fuck with each other. Fuck the chain. I doubt it was because he was rich or he came into the wrong spot. No, we just have a problem seeing each other, being happy, being successful. We have the problem. It's not the chains. It's not the, it's not the, fuck the bullshit. It ain't the motherfucking society that's done this. It ain't the motherfucking courts. It ain't the motherfucking jails. No, motherfuckers don't like each other. Motherfuckers get up in the morning, they mad because the motherfucker got a gold chain on, a gold watch on. They think that it has to be theirs. Fuck you. Get a fucking job. Sell some fucking dope. That's what the fuck the, uh, y'all are Rappers rap about anyways, pimp some hoes or something. Why you gotta kill somebody? A father. Of all the things you could do, you could get a job, you could do all these different things, you could you could do anything, you could start on a fucking YouTube channel, but why you gotta kill somebody? 
And then all same response, oh, well, he wrote, he, he, he rocked this chain. He shouldn't have posted his, his information. Well, why the fuck does that matter? Why the fuck do we have to be the ones to shoot each other off fucking time? I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing the excuses. Oh, don't come here wearing this. Don't go there wearing that. You, We rob each other for any stupid reason. We'll shoot each other for any dumb reason. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the fucking excuses. And now everybody talking about, don't come to L.A. like this. So what's going to happen if, if somebody from Cali go out back east and they get shot? Now it's east coast, west coast again. I thought we evolved from Biggie and Pop. I'm not trying to go through this bullshit again. And then all we're going to do is sit around there and complain about the music industry. Oh, the music industry. No, 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 no. The music industry didn't do shit. We shot him. We shot another black man. L.A., you ain't hard for shooting black men. You, your city is not hard for shooting black celebrities. That's not hard. That's not a badge of honor. It makes us look like a fractured community. And that's why we lose to everybody else. We lose daily. Because we have to shoot each other daily. We can't see each other succeed. It's daily. It's something innate in you. Now, who taught you that? I don't know. But it wasn't, it wasn't natural. It's, it wasn't ever natural in us. I'll tell you that right the fuck now. And there's no excuses. I don't give a fuck about the L.A. gang culture. That's bullshit. You just don't like each other. That's why your own gangs beef with each other. And you beef, been beef with each other since y'all created the motherfucking gangs. But bloods on bloods. Crips on crips. Serenio's on, so we don't give a fuck now. We don't give a fuck no more. Get your shit together. Stop shooting each other. Then maybe we can get somewhere. But worry about these motherfucking police shooting us. You keep shooting each other. You're just going to keep, keep creating the police situation. Keep, keep, keep putting them in your neighborhood. You talking about how you hate the feds. I don't know. Y'all seem to be cool with them in all of your neighborhood, investigating all types of shootings and locking all types of people up because you don't seem to want to stop shooting each other. Shit. That's what I'm saying. Either either, either Young Thug is fake for what he's doing. All that shit he's been talking, he's a fake fraud like they've been making in the music industry. Fake fraud bitches who just will sell any type of message to get paid. Or 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 he literally is saying practicing what he pre and he still should be locked up because he's doing it against his own fucking community and we need to stop hallmarking that like this is some type of achievement banging on each other is not improving in society stop it stop the cap stop the bullshit I'm done with it and there's just certain things I'm not rocking with anymore and I won't and I won't defend and this is it killing unarmed black men for the sake of oh they had a, they had a gold chain no. Oh, he was in the wrong name. I'm done. That's stupid. I'm sorry. Was he selling dope in your community? I could tell. I could see. Was he? Was he? Was he? Back, was he shooting at people in your neighborhood? Then maybe I could see that. Did he? Did he? Did he? Did he touch a little girl or something in your community? Did he? Did he touch her on your mama? Sexually assault her? Then maybe I get that. Was he doing something to women in your community? Fine. Maybe. But if he just there, posted up, just eating at a Roscoe's, and you decided, oh, I just want to shoot him because he got a gold chain on, get the fuck out of here. We are lame for that. There is no L.A. You are lame for that. And any city, in any place where you can, like, when, when, what Kansas City did to Mac Dre, they were lame for that. They were lame. What D.C. did to the, the rookie running back, we talked about that a week ago, Brian Robinson, they was lame for that. That's lame. It's one thing to shoot each other, whatever, like, you know, occupational hazard, I guess, if y'all have to. But shooting motherfuckers who ain't got shit to do with this motherfucker because you mad because they got a, they got a chain on or whether or not his girl set him up, 
That's a whole different thing. But we need to be we need to be looking at each other in a different perspective, in a different way. All this shooting the cat, I won't buy. I'm not I'm not rocking with that. I don't want to hear about oh this is just L U L S bullshit. You are part of the problem. And then the other day, to kind of put in a little bit more to this, I'm listening to a I'm listening to a a excerpt of a video from everybody's favorite daddy. Everybody's favorite surrogate father, Kevin Samuels, talking about how, you know, men, they wake up in the morning and they convince themselves, or they try to convince themselves, basically, you know, when I broke it down, basically they, they lie to themselves. And they go in the mirror, they try to tell themselves that they the man, and, and really when they leave, leave the house, they, they really nothing. And they live in these, these, these shallow lives and they quiet, they live in silence. Well, let me tell you something. And oh, oh, he also mentioned um, that they, they struggle so hard to, to they want to be relevant and be this and, and they want to be seen. Listen, let me tell you this. If you motherfuckers have a girlfriend, you motherfuckers have a solid relationship with your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your, your fr you have friends, you are relevant to people. People give a fuck about you if you're going to die. If you die tomorrow, people are going to care about you. If you have, like I said, if you have those relationships, then that's one thing. If you destroyed those those bridges thinking you was cool, you decide to lie to your peoples, you decide to lead them on, you, de you, de you decide to lead your girlfriend on, cheat on her, you got her leaving you, then I could understand that. Every every friend you had, you didn't you didn't use them up and you didn't mistreated them. I could see that. I could see you why you would feel that way. But if you live in the right way and you making the right steps, people gonna care about you. And I and I and I beg to I beg to argue. I don't even think in this environment as a black man, I don't even think you want to be all that relevant because then they are gonna want to shoot you. So I don't even I don't even think it matters. Do you people love you at home? Yes. Do you love yourself? Yes. You don't need to be that relevant, dog. Don't 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 let the Joneses get to you. Don't let somebody else tell you how to think and live your life. Again, I understand y'all need positive influences. Y'all need positive direction. But don't let don't don't I, certain things you have to be cognizant of. We have to hold each other in a, in a higher esteem, and that starts at home. That starts with yourself. You have to look inside yourself and say, I'm worth some, something, and I can't go through all these these different things. You know, and it, and it, you know, and it might sound corny to some. It might sound whatever to some people. Like I, I'm a, I don't give a fuck. But I'm just gonna outright say, it. I just don't listen to certain rap bullshit no more. I'm not listening to music or rappers that's constantly talking about how they want to kill black men, how they want to hurt black men, how they want to mistreat black women. You want to know why? Because I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be that about that. I used to listen to all type of crazy shit when I was younger. My my younger days would be D12 and Tech 9. And I would sit there and walk in the hallways mad. Waiting for somebody to touch me so I could fight him. So I could hurt him. So I could do something fucked up. So I could say a fucked up thing to somebody. Not even knowing that this is all part of that. That's what they want. They want you to go be mad at some East Coast nigga. Why? I don't know. But they want you to. So you can go ahead, do something stupid, get your ass locked up. Stop. Stop trying to fuck with the prison industrial complex. Again, a lot of mainstream rap, it just it just it, it just integrates too too easily with that. It's almost like it's a setup. You gotta watch out. Don't get into fuck. Don't get into all that fuck the East Coast, West Coast, this, we all, no, don't get into that. A lot of y'all ain't even banging no way. 
even if you live out here. Let that shit go. Let that be amongst them motherfuckers. They want to shoot each other off. You do that. But we got to do better. We got to get away from that. We got to understand that we can't do that to each other. I wish in a perfect world of something like this doesn't have to happen. This, this is senseless. This is stupid. Because he just rolled up somewhere and, and maybe the girl did set him up. Maybe, and again, that's another factor. Pay attention to who you rocking with. Pay attention to how they, you know, carrying y'all relationship. Can't pay attention to what they put out there in the world. You got to be cognizant of that too. There's so many things to be aware of, but at the end of the day, I'm not for killing each other no more. There's no more excuses for that. I don't want to hear about the the, the, the the plight the white man put us through. I'm done with hearing about the hip-hop industry and how they manipulate it. I'm done hearing the dumbass excuses. Murder is murder, and I don't fuck with it. You took away somebody's father. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. I don't give a fuck what he had. I don't give a fuck about any of that. If he wasn't, if he didn't come to California with ill intent, then you should have left his ass alone. That's not a. That's that's that makes y'all look like clowns to me. And it would, if it would have happened in Memphis, I would have said that again. Memphis looked the same way when Young Dolph, Young Dolph got shot up for some bullshit. They looked, they took an L. I, I'm gonna keep saying it. Took an L. You took, you're taking L's for that. That's that's not how we should be conducting ourselves we, we we should be past that and uh, i won't be supporting any of that bullshit until things start to change all right y'all if you're looking to get in touch with me i'll be leaving my social media links uh, available for you guys please be sure to check out my youtube channel as well by the same name never out of bounds of course this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts peace out one love and i'll highlight all you guys later